Welcome back to Adventures in Ed Funding. My name is Paul Richmond, and I'm your podcast series guide. I hope you've been staying safe and well. We've currently been taking a break from production, and I'll be back soon with an update on some exciting developments for the next season. It has been exactly a year since we launched the podcast, and what a year it has been. In honor of our anniversary, we wanted to take a moment to reflect on and highlight just a few of the places we've been and the people we've talked to during the past 12 months. When we began this series, we had initially planned to produce a season with 12 episodes focused on different aspects of education funding in California. And we did do that. But when all of our worlds changed with COVID-19, we also decided to offer even more timely information and stories to help you navigate and process everything that was going on. We wound up producing a total of 36 episodes. As mentioned, we started by exploring school funding in our state. Our first guest in February 2020 was education advocate Samantha Tran from the nonprofit organization Children Now. Samantha shared a report that had just come out about California's substantial and persistent underfunding of public schools, especially compared to other states. She discussed what that meant for our students. We staff our schools because we're under-resourced at like three-fourths the level of what, what kids in other states experience. And so that means we have the among the worst ratios of adults to kids. Um, we have the highest you know, class sizes, uh, the lowest a number of administrators, counselors, nurses, social workers, any kind of adult you can imagine on campus, uh, we have less of them. And that means that kids get a whole less slot of opportunities, less courses, less uh, curricular activities, uh, fundamentally less support. And that's most um, impactful for our most vulnerable kids. After several early episodes, delving into school funding history and key topics like Proposition 98, things took a dramatic turn in early March. That's when school campuses suddenly closed. Governor Newsom quickly issued an executive order about the schools. Elizabeth Esquivel, Senior Director of Policy and Governance for CASBO, explained in that moment what the new executive order meant. In short, it means that there is no in-person classes, but the executive order still requires local educational agencies to provide educational services, school meals, accommodations for students with disabilities, and to the extent possible, childcare and supervision. No in-person classes. It was a shift like none ever before for California's schools. Throughout the next months, we all learned together about preventing the spread of the virus and how best to maintain services for kids. Many of us quickly absorbed new vocabulary like high touch points, asynchronous learning, and PPE. Amy Rovay Gregory, principal at Greer Elementary in Sacramento County, reflected on the searing impact of those months when she spoke with us in July. Yeah, it's all been so incredibly difficult. Um, schools are, as you know, so much more than just teaching and learning. 
Um, our school really is a safe haven for our students and families. And, and really our school's entire culture and climate is built upon a foundation of face-to-face -face interactions, hugs, high fives, community building, collaboration and enrichment opportunities and more. So when our school buildings were closed that Friday, March 13th, we literally had zero time to prepare for that as educators, nor did we get to prepare our kids for all that was going to come. And that lack of closure was and still is heartbreaking. Some of our kids we, you know, haven't seen or heard from since that day. And though all educators did their absolute best to replicate some sort of classroom experience virtually, it just isn't the same, especially for a school like ours. Um, our teachers and support staff had to quickly pivot into a whole new instructional mode, one that we've never been trained for. We had to quickly get devices out to all of our students, learn new digital platforms, new ways to teach the standards virtually, and new ways to engage our students and parents to help address the deep digital divide that our Title I students and families face. And of course, doing all of that remotely from home without the materials and supplies and structures that are typically found in our classrooms. So as a principal, this required revamping and recreating every single thing that we do each day as a site leader, but also figuring out how to do it remotely for all of our stakeholders. So it was as if we really were building the plane while we were flying it, but with some missing parts and no flight plans and no additional supplies. So it really has been the most challenging thing I've ever faced as an educator. We highlighted ways that school districts were rising to the new challenges, from serving millions of meals to students and families, to pivoting to distance learning, and partnering to provide pop-up childcare to emergency workers. As the pandemic roared on, the state also faced extreme economic and budget turbulence as well. All the while, Districts continually discussed and planned for when they could safely reopen campuses for in-person learning. In the single most listened to episode of our season, we visited with two school maintenance and operations leaders to better understand the ins and outs of school cleaning, disinfecting, and how classrooms might need to be reconfigured to enable more distancing of students and better protection. Here's what Paulo Azevedo, Director of Maintenance, Operations, Transportation, and Facilities for San Ysidro School District had to say back in late spring when we were all still learning. If you're looking at um, doing the social distancing in the classroom itself, you're going to go down to maybe a third of the classroom, maybe up to half, but you have to look at the space for, the, for also the teacher up front and how they're gonna teach also. It's gonna be really weird showing that division where between the, the person teaching the class and the students out there, because they'll have their space. Are we gonna set up a special area where the student come up for questions and answers where the teacher's gonna constantly disinfect? Are we gonna allow the teachers to go to everybody's space and after they leave that to disinfect their space? How are we gonna look at this? Because the, the students are so used, especially the younger elementary students, are used to having that, that figure in, in the classroom where they can go and talk to. And how are we going to separate that? You know, I don't want to see like Walmart or Target where you have that big plexiglass where you're going to have to talk to the teacher through a plexiglass. That's, that's not conducive to the, to the teaching of the child. During this time, 
School leaders found themselves in the middle of navigating so many complicated and connected issues. Diane Deschler, CASBO's vice president and a chief business official in Lafayette School District, described the challenge this way. It's as if, she said, school leaders have had to run both a marathon and a sprint every single day. There are so many challenges, but I think for me and for all of the people around me, it's navigating the myriad of public health requirements that continue to be updated and changed as the science continues to develop. Our role in schools is to provide students an education and at the same time ensure all health and safety needs are met for students and employees. The pandemic and related economic fallout have caused enormous pain and hardship. And that hardship has fallen disproportionately the most on our lower income communities and people of color. As our schools and communities worked to prevent the spread of COVID-19 and plan to safely reopen schools, we saw tensions between local control and state authority. We saw a critical need for more immediate federal funding relief go unanswered for many, many months. Key questions and challenges related to testing employees, vaccinations, and liability all emerged. In October, San Diego County Superintendent of Schools, Paul Gothold, shared how his county was partnering to provide testing for school staff. And he talked about what he saw as the biggest challenge of all to getting kids back into classrooms. I think the, the biggest challenge with all of this has been that everything around this pandemic has been politicized. And as it's been politicized, uh, it makes it increasingly tough on our local superintendents and school boards um, because, you know, we all love and care about kids. We are doing the very best we can to open schools safely, to make sure that the conditions are right um, so that we don't have to continue to close and reopen. And I think that there's been, you know, heightened emotions on both sides of this that our superintendents face, uh, different data points, and in fact, different, uh, you know, arguments on both sides of the health community. And so at the end of the day, what we try to do is just depoliticize this and really go back to the facts and say, hey, what are the conditions that are safe? What do we know? What do we not know? And, and explain that thoroughly to our communities and do the best we can to, to get uh, kids back on campus. It's definitely been a lot to work through, and we've all learned a lot about being resilient. Let's wrap up this look back with some words of gratitude that our guest, State Board of Education President, Linda Darling-Hammond, offered back in August. I will only add my gratitude to all of the people in our schools who are keeping things going and working under so much challenge, unpredictability, um, and duress, and doing it with such creativity and commitment uh, is you know, greatly appreciated. I think people all across the state in many, many roles have a renewed appreciation for what everyone in schools does. 
to hold our communities together, to hold our families together, and to contribute to the well-being of, of everyone else in the state. So I want to kind of leave us with those words of collective thanks. Many thanks to you for joining us this past season on Adventures in Ed Funding, the series presented by CASBO, the California Association of School Business Officials. I also want to especially thank our many guests for generously sharing their insight, expertise, and inspiration. And a special thank you to the CASBO leadership for presenting this series and to the one and only Tommy Dunbar, who handles all of our music, sound, and editing. You can listen to all of the previous episodes by going to the CASBO website at casbo.org. We hope that over the last year, this podcast has helped you learn, along with others, not only about school funding in California, but about the complexity of our public schools and the vital role they fill in our communities. I'll check back with you soon with information about our plans for a new season. Until then, please stay safe and be well.